Welcome to True Paranormal, the podcast with your host, Leo Rizzuti. Each and every week, we will explore different aspects of the paranormal, share listener stories, and have in-depth discussions with investigators and scholars who have devoted their lives to understanding the unknown. Topics will include ghosts, poltergeists, EVPs, shadow people, psychic encounters, urban legends, cryptozoology, time shifts, mystery spots, haunted history, demons, and anything else from the world of the weird and unexplained. So grab a cup of coffee, dim the lights, sit back, and prepare for a short journey into the world of the true paranormal. Hi guys, Leo Rizzuti here. Welcome to another episode of True Paranormal, the podcast. Uh, This is a very melancholy weekend for most of us in the world of the paranormal. Um, You know, I was first introduced to Art Bell as most people are, traveling along the highway late one night rifling through the static of the AM band in search for a companion for my journey. For me, it was the summer of 1995, during the height of Art's show, Coast to Coast AM's popularity. What struck me about the show, and more importantly, Art Bell himself, was the fact that while Art himself might not accept and believe every claim that his guests and his callers brought forward, he allowed his show to be a platform where neither he nor his listeners would ever ridicule the people telling their stories. He offered a safe space where someone who had had fantastical things happen to them could tell the world about it, a philosophy that greatly impacted me and one that I strive to carry on right here on True Paranormal, the podcast. Now, although his show originated from his home in Pahrumpf, Nevada, Art was a fellow North Carolinian, born and bred, which immediately endeared him to me. He was a veteran of the war in Vietnam, which deepened further the respect that I had for the man. But most importantly, he was an honest man, a calm and serious voice in an arena that's not always known for either the former or the latter. You never heard a tone of disdain from Art Bell, and it helped him over the years in gleaning information from people on his show that might have stayed hidden otherwise. In short, he was a man that you felt like you could trust. Art retired from active time duty behind the microphone in 2007, following several false starts to previous intended retirements. He had been living with severe back pain, stemming from a fall off of a telephone pole in his youth. And, as anyone can tell you in the radio business, back pain is the one thing that can spell the end of your profession. 
He had previously given up full-time hosting of his show to Ian Punnett and then George Norrie, with Art only doing a couple of Saturday or Sunday shows a month. During his career, he amassed many accolades, including Radio and Record Publications Lifetime Achievement Award, as well as induction into the Nevada Broadcasters Hall of Fame and the National Radio Hall of Fame. Art Bell, age 72, passed away just a couple of days ago, fittingly enough on Friday the 13th. He left behind his wife, Erin, and his five children. He also left behind millions of us whose lives were forever altered by his lone voice coming out of the desert. Let us hope that he's enjoying the next step in his journey into the unknown. Godspeed, Art Bell. You will be missed. Okay, guys. Uh, well, obviously, um, we're going to go on with our show. Uh, this week, we are very happy to have you guys with us. Uh, we are going to share your guys' stories. Uh, got several of them sent to us, so let's go ahead and jump right into that. Our first story of the evening comes to us from Krista, and she has titled it, Footsteps. Okay, Krista, let's see what you sent to us. My family consists of five people. My husband, my three children, ages 10, 7, and 3, and me. We moved here in August of last year and thought we were moving into a nice, safe neighborhood. We may have been wrong. My seven-year-old son had the first paranormal experience in which he had a dream that a small girl around his age was talking to him beside his bed. Thinking this was just a childhood dream or maybe an imaginary friend, my husband and I just ignored this. At Christmas time, however, my grandparents were here, and my grandfather slept in my son's room. He, too, dreamed about a small girl, same description, talking to him beside the bed. Now it seemed a little strange. Around the beginning of February, my son started to say that there were weird things going on in his room, the TV flicking on and off and channels changing on their own. Again, just thinking he's seven and imaginative, I ignored it. Several weeks ago, most of the family went out to visit other family members, and for the first time since we moved here, I was alone in the house. At mid-afternoon, I went into my bedroom to take a nap, and as I was about to fall asleep, I heard what can only be described as children's footsteps running down the hall upstairs and into the living room. As I was half asleep, I chose to chalk it up at the time to a half-dream. Not thinking any more about it, later that same day, I went into my son's room to feed his hamster, and as soon as I got about halfway across, the TV flickered on, stayed on for a few minutes, and flickered back off. Okay, now I'm getting a little spooked. I left his room and called a friend who instantly questioned my sanity, but can you blame her? She came over to see if anything weird was really happening or if I was losing my mind. Thankfully, I have not lost my mind, because as soon as she got here, we went downstairs and 
the same thing happened. TV on, TV off. And this time it happened for about two minutes consecutively. At this point, it's not just me who is spooked. As soon as the TV turned off for the second time and seemed off for good, we both heard the footsteps upstairs. This happened off and on all day with my friend there, alternating between the TV and the footsteps. She called her husband, who is a hardened non-believer, to come and experience this as well. He left just as shaken as we were. Even as I sit here now, I can hear the footsteps and the TV flickering on and off, and I'm still wondering about my own sanity in staying in this house. I should be in a hotel or somewhere else by now. I honestly believe there is a little girl ghost in this house, and I'd love nothing more than to just get her to leave us alone. My son isn't allowed to watch TV past bedtime, and she, the ghost, won't listen to my pleas to leave the TV off. Well, that's it. That's my story, and really, I'm just a healthy, normal woman who's just experiencing something quite amazing and almost unexplainable. Wow, Krista, I think you are the first person to have written us a story that we know of where you have things actively happening as you're writing it. Uh, the first for us, hey, what do you know? Um, that is amazing activity you have there, and I can understand why you would be questioning your own sanity, especially if you are uh, somebody who doesn't necessarily jump straight to, well, it must be paranormal as an explanation for things. Uh, TVs coming on and off can sometimes, and I would really check this out, you might have a neighbor that has a remote that is attuned to your TV specifically, and maybe their remote is activating your TV or your son's TV. I would um not saying that's the cause. Uh, it would be very strange if it was, but that would definitely be the first thing I would check out before doing anything else. However, the footsteps, that is not explainable by neighbors or anything else. Uh, it does sound like you have some haunting activity there. And you might consider finding a paranormal investigation group to come in and check out your house and see if there is anything they can either confirm or if there's something that they can help you with. At any rate, thank you very much for sharing your story with us. We really appreciate that. Our next story comes from Dave, and he has titled it Phantom Footsteps. Okay, Dave, let's hear your story. About four years ago, my mother and father split up temporarily, and my mother, brother, and me moved into a three-bedroom, two-story apartment. One night, I was hanging out with my friends pretty late, about 1 a.m. My mother was a light sleeper, and when I would return home late, I would wake her due to our squeaky front door, which she could hear from upstairs. She would usually then get up and nag me about getting in so late. Anyway, this night was no different, and I was hearing the usual nagging while heading upstairs to my room. After a half an hour or so, after I had gotten undressed and gotten ready to go to bed, I heard footsteps walking out of my mother's room and downstairs. I thought it was my mother and didn't think much of it. 
What was strange was that the footsteps were oddly loud for my mother. They proceeded to walk from the stairway into the living room, and then the kitchen, and then into the downstairs bathroom, then back into the living room. While in the living room, it sounded like they were walking around in three or four circles, and then proceeded back up the stairs. From there, they walked into the upstairs bathroom, then down the hall and into my brother's room. They moved around in there for a little while and then proceeded to walk up to my bedroom door, which was closed. Still suspecting that they belonged to my mother, I expected her to come in and scold me just a little bit more, but the footsteps went silent for a few moments. Suddenly, my door opened hard, smacking against the wall and making a loud banging sound. Now, about the door to my room. It has a tight door jam, and it would take a very strong push to open, while at the same time twisting the knob. I sat there in shock as no one was in the hall. I got up and went to my mother's room to see if she heard my door getting kicked open. In my opinion, if she could hear the downstairs door open slowly and quietly, then certainly she should be able to hear my door being kicked open like that. To my shock, she was dead asleep. I even had to shake her to wake her up. I told her what happened and she freaked out and in a few minutes she had us out of the apartment and over to my father's house. She's apparently very spooked by ghostly encounters. The next morning I had to return to the house to get dressed for work since all of my clothes were in the apartment. While I was in the bathroom, I felt a presence behind the shower curtain, but when I opened it, nothing was there. I proceeded to get ready for work and left soon after that. We stayed in the apartment for about two or three more months before my mother and father got back together and we all moved back into my father's house. During the rest of our duration, no other ghostly events happened. But I will never forget those moments. Whoa, Dave, that is a really cool story. Uh, appreciate you sending that to us. It is very wild that you had such a lengthy period of footsteps and you could kind of track them all over the apartment. I uh, don't know that I've ever heard of that long of a series of footsteps, but it obviously does happen. Uh, thanks a lot for sharing your story with us, buddy. That was awesome. Our next story comes from Tichelle, and she has titled it, Ghostly felines. Okay, Tichel, let's see what you sent to us. A few months ago, I made a mistake and purchased two Ouija boards. I took them to my best friend's house where we played with them a few times. I have never taken them into my home as I have three small children and don't want them around these. A couple of weeks ago, while my kids were spending the night at their grandparents, my boyfriend got up and left for work. I heard him go outside and crank his truck up to let it run for a few minutes. While it ran, he smoked a cigarette. He doesn't smoke in the house or in any of our vehicles. I heard these things, and that is how I know I was awake when this happened. I was still in the bed when I heard a cat growl at the end of my bed and then hiss. I felt the bed shake some as this cat jumped onto the foot of my bed. It continued growling low as it walked up the bed towards my head. 
I could feel the bed covers pull as it walked along my legs. I had my eyes tightly closed as I was scared. At first I thought my boyfriend had let in one of our outside cats, but they never growl at me. As the cat got to my head, it growled and hissed at me, and I could actually feel the breath coming from this cat. At that point, I reached up to my headboard and turned on the light. The cat hissed again, and I could feel it jump down to the foot of the bed, again and then onto the floor. I actually heard it land on the floor. I got the light on and looked at the foot of my bed, and there was no cat. I got up and checked everywhere in my bedroom and still no cat. I then turned on all the lights in my house and checked the entire house. No cat. Just to be sure, I also checked the AC vents. They were all screwed down into the floor and they weren't loose. I spoke to a friend of mine and he told me that I needed to bless my house. Well, two days after that I left and went on vacation for a week. I came back Saturday and didn't have any problems that night. Well, last night I heard my boyfriend call my name as I was dozing off to sleep. He came running into my room, shaking. He said as he was dozing off, he heard a picking sound in the carpet like a cat does when they sharpen their claws, and then he heard a cat purring. He swears he wasn't asleep yet because he couldn't get comfortable in the chair. So, now I am trying to figure out how to handle this situation. I'm going to give the Ouija boards away, and I have some white candles and dragon's blood incense. Is there anything more that I can do, or at least point me in the right direction? I'm too scared to let my children even come home. I've been leaving them with my parents until I get the situation resolved. Wow, Tichelle. Well, let's see. Let's... um. Let's address what you did here. You obviously acknowledge that, yeah, it was probably a mistake to buy Ouija boards. Um, I'm not necessarily against Ouija boards uh, per se. People can do whatever they want to, but I've seen far too many instances where they've opened up doorways to things that we would rather not open. So at least you acknowledge, hey, you probably uh, didn't do the best thing there. And you're right that... Um, you know, you really don't want to have your kids around that, although it kind of perplexes me as to, again, why you would buy the Ouija boards if you don't want your kids around them. But, you know, that's in the past. That's neither here nor there. Let's look at what you've got going on. Um, animal hauntings are not the most common things in the world. I've seen them. I've experienced them. They are normally very benign. Normally, you'll catch the scent of... Uh, dog or a cat that was formerly there or maybe once in a while you hear panting or something like that but very rarely will it be anything aggressive it does sound however like you have something different going on there uh the first thing i would do is obviously get rid of the ouija boards if you think that that is what caused the original issue although to be honest with you they weren't in your house so not really sure unless something attached itself to you specifically not really sure that that would necessarily be the cause or would be the solution. But I will say this. If you're going to get rid of the Ouija boards, don't give them away. Unless, of course, you want to potentially spread a problem to someone else. I would either throw it away completely or 
better yet, I would suggest burning it. Uh, just make sure that if you burn it, that you do it off of your property. Try to find a abandoned place or maybe even if you can get away with it, like a um, garbage dump or something like that, and burn it there would be the best case scenario. Uh, the bigger issue is that if something has come through and is present, then, as I said before, eliminating the board won't really do a whole lot. It's, um, for lack of a better analogy, it's kind of like closing the barn door after the horses have gotten out. What you really need to do is find an investigator near you, and you didn't tell us where exactly you're at, but if you're listening to this broadcast and you would like uh, some help from a specific investigator or if you want us to try to help you find someplace, uh, let us know in comments where exactly you are or email us again and let us know and we can try to find some folks to help you out. Or alternately, um, you know, you can try to locate an investigator yourself. You want to find one that's near you and ideally you want to find one that shares your specific belief system, whether you are uh, Christian or Jewish or pagan or spiritual or whatever you would describe your belief system, ideally you want to find somebody that shares your belief system uh, that will work out a lot better for you and see if they're available to help. If you look on our Facebook page, we would sometimes post uh, group links on there and they are a great resource for finding investigation teams. Um, a lot of the groups that I belong to have teams from all over the world, not just in America, but in other countries as well. And you can usually contact them through those groups is the best thing you can do. If you can't find one, though, which I would not think is very likely, uh, most of the time you'll be able to find somebody and they'll be willing or able to help you out pretty readily. But just in case you can't find one, Alternately, I would contact a local church and see if someone can come by and do a blessing on your home and your property. Usually, in fairly benign cases, that does the trick. But at any rate, let us know if we can help you out any other way. And uh, thank you for sharing your story. Let us know how things are going. Our last story of the evening is titled Shadow People. And it is sent to us by a listener named Charles. Okay, Charles, let's see what you've got. When I was about 18 months old, my family moved from their house and into the one I've lived in for the rest of my life. Funnily enough, my old house was on a road or street called Cemetery Road and, of course, was right next to a cemetery. But it wasn't until I was in our family's new home strange events occurred. In those early years, it would be impossible for me to remember everything with such clarity. I was a young child, but the event I'm about to recall, I remember with such crystal clearness, I could be tricked into thinking it happened yesterday. Now, my exact age, I'm unsure of, but it would have been around five or six years old, at my best guess. I was sitting at the bottom of my stairs while my mother was doing the ironing upstairs. I was looking around the house, waiting for my mother to finish and for us to go pick up my sister from school. It was sunny outside and 
I couldn't have expected what happened next. As I turned around from looking out my window next to the front door, I looked through the banister rails of the stairs towards the kitchen door. There, in the hallway, I spotted a man. I say it was a man, as it was the best way I could describe it, and it wouldn't be for over a decade later that I would realize what I saw was not a ghost, but a shadow person. The man was standing looking at me with what seemed like a Benedictine monk's robe on, which was even the same color as they should be, brown. However, the robe hood was up, and instead of a face under the cowl, there was just blackness. Pure blackness. Only a shadow. I remember looking down at the man's feet and noticing nothing was there, not even a shadow, but I wasn't sure if it was covered by the robe or not at the time. I remember staring for a few seconds before, and this is based purely on the testimony of my mother, I started talking to the man. What I said I don't know, and it would require a lucky and great mental effort on my mother to remember. However, it was this exact talking that made my mother hurry out of the spare room where she was ironing, and for her to ask, who are you talking to? I turned to her, looking up the stairs, pointing to the direction of the kitchen doorway and saying, that man there. This caused my mother to come down the stairs. I turned back to look at the man, but he was no longer there. My mother came halfway down the stairs, saw nobody was there, and asked, you didn't open the door, did you? And I replied, I can't reach it. It was bolted, and in reality I could have, but not without my mother hearing the noise. So we went to pick up my sister, and I was sitting in the back of the car when my sister got into the conversation with my mother and said to her, I think Charles saw a ghost. And my sister sort of chuckled and didn't really seem to care. So that would be the end to it, right? Well, not for me. However, the events I'm about to describe I can't remember quite as clearly as the first one, only that they happened and my mother and father both can attest to it happening and what I claimed happened in the following years. From that day onward, I would often be awoken every night by footsteps outside of my door, on the landing, coming up the stairs, and doors opening and closing. I would get out of bed, walk across the landing, and then go into my mother and father's room, squeezing in next to my mother and going back to sleep. This often displaced my father, much to his chagrin. It happened so much that my mother and I developed a way of communicating because our walls were next to each other, but pretty far away in terms of walking distance. She told me to knock on the wall and wake her up if I was scared. I only remember doing it once or twice. I would usually get up and go into her room. However, I can't attest to being scared when I did so, but whatever my emotions, I did get out of bed and into theirs. This happened for a few months. Eventually, my father took me to see our doctor and he talked to me for a while about what had happened, which resulted in him telling my parents, there is no way this child is making this up. He doesn't have the world knowledge to do so, and it's far too detailed, or words to that effect. This annoyed my father, 
I was a bright child and so it was dismissed as me being smart enough to fabricate such a tale. My mother, however, knew otherwise, for she had experienced at least twice at the hospital she worked, two ghosts appearing before her, with one walking through a wall right in front of her. So it was incredibly comforting to me to know that somebody believed me. This carried on for a few more years. One night I went into my parents' room. My dad got out in a huff and walked to the spare room, which was down the landing past the stairs. He did so in darkness, but upon reaching the spare room, he hit the landing light switch next to the doorway and refused to turn it off while he slept. He never explained why then and not the other times. However, it was shortly after this event that my father, who is a religious man, brought in a priest to bless the house. Myself and my family talked to the priest for a while before we blessed every room in the house and all of the outside buildings. Now, if this didn't stop the noises, the feelings of being watched, or even the occasional barging past bump you get on the landing. I was the only one, to my knowledge, who experienced the majority of these. The last event was my attic hatch, which has a pressure lock system opened on its own outside my room one night. I was awake, so was my mother and sister. From that day onward, I never experienced such events again. Well, I say that, but occasionally stuff has happened over the years, but nothing to the degree it was during those years. I have talked to my mother about this part of my life many times. She believes that young people become extra sensitive to paranormal events which usually pass with age. However, there is one specific conversation topic which makes me shiver with goosebumps even as I type this, and that goes something like this. You would often say that you could hear doors opening, closing, banging, my mother would say, but you would always tell me this by ending, it's not a door of the house, it's not a door I recognize. It wasn't until over a decade after the end of the majority of these events that I happened to read up on the shadow person phenomena. On one article that I read, talked about them before explaining that there are several kinds. There, in the list of types of shadow people, is one that wears a monk's robe. Whoa, Charles, that's a creepy story, man. Uh, wow, you've had some experiences at that house, and it is wonderful to think that with everything that you've gone through there, that there's at least one family member, if not others, uh, that fully believe everything that's happened to you. And I know it seems like your dad might not believe what you're saying, but obviously he saw something that one night on the landing, which caused him to have a different reaction. So I'm certain that he takes you at your word now, even if he didn't back in the day. But at any rate, I am very glad that you sent this. You're uh, but at any rate, I am very glad that you sent us your story. Thank you so very much, Charles. Well, guys, that is going to do it for this episode of True Paranormal, the podcast. I would like to thank Charles and Krista and Tichelle and Dave for sending in your stories. 
you guys are absolute rock stars and y'all make the show go round. And if you guys would like to be rock stars and have your stories shared on one of our future broadcasts, feel free to either email us at trueparanormalpodcast at gmail.com. That's one word, trueparanormalpodcast at gmail.com. Or go to our Facebook page, True Paranormal the Podcast, and hit that like button and you'll see an email button or a message us button. And use either one of those and get us your stories and we'd be glad to share them on the air. Also, we are now on Twitter under True Para Podcast, I believe. It's True Para Podcast uh, is the handle on Twitter. And we are, hey guys, we're actually on YouTube now. How about that? We're getting on in the world. Getting a little frustrated with some of the things that Facebook is doing to us uh, with the podcast. Kind of being a little restrictive there. So several of you guys asked for us to get on with the show and get on YouTube. So we're on YouTube. And I'm not sure what the channel is. I will update that in the show notes. But you guys look for us there. And it's basically, right now, it's just our podcast with a picture of our logo there. But we're going to try to get some fancier stuff going on. But at any rate, if you like listening on YouTube, we are there. We're also, of course, on Blogger and FeedBurner and several other things. And, hey, we're on iTunes. So if you guys listen to us on iTunes, be sure to subscribe and give us a rating and a review if you get a chance. We love hearing from you guys. In the meantime... Uh, thank you guys for listening to this broadcast and joining us this week and join us every week and be sure to join us next week for another episode of True Paranormal, the podcast. 